calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome, everybody, to the second episode of The Geek Buddy. Hey! <laughs> uh, thanks to everybody. First, let me say thanks to everyone who has like, reached out to us and commented and tweeted and reached out to us personally who know us as friends, as buddies, as fellow buddies, and giving so much love to the first episode of the show. It was a slow rollout with Anchor only doing, only releasing us on a couple of platforms, but since then, we've jumped onto Stitcher, Google Podcasts, uh, Pocket Casts, and we're still waiting for that iTunes approval, and once that goes down, and hopefully by the time you're listening to the second episode, it has gone down, you will be uh, ready uh, to listen everywhere you can and subscribe and share uh, the episode with uh, your buddies. Buddies, so we can build this whole buddies community in a positive way. I am one of your hosts, John Roca. Uh, just to give you a little background for those of you who are new to the show, I am a writer, producer, and host over at Collider Video. Host numerous podcasts, lover of film, television, all things geek, comic books, what have you. Uh, and uh, I'm doing the podcast with two of my friends who are. Uh, we've been friends for over 20 years and shot the shit about so many things in this world. And we just decided, well, why don't we just turn mics on? 
and talk about these things. So you'll be uh, having a great episode tonight as we run down a bunch of topics. Uh, but let, without further ado, please, everyone introduce yourselves. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, I am Michael Vogel. Uh, I am a <laughs> writer and producer of animated TV and film and uh, also a geek uh, extraordinaire with these guys. Um and yeah, that's me. Shannon, why don't you tell us about you? <laughs> hey, my name is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor out here in Los Angeles. You might have seen me on Teen Wolf. Uh, I was on Modern Family. I was on the first season of 911. And to add to some geek cred, I was also on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. And Ooh. recently I've gotten into animation writing with uh, Mr. Vogel here. Yeah, can you say some of the shows that you've written on or done stuff for you allowed to say? Oh, I mean, the stuff that's been out, yeah. yeah. Uh, My Little Pony. Stretch Armstrong, Avengers, Young Justice, a mm-hmm. uh, handful of other things. And you've consulted and you've like you've been a person people go to to discuss their projects with and to yes. help do certain things for them. I can't reveal too much of what you're doing. But this is a man with an incredible extensive knowledge of film and television and animation and all this jazz. So and Shannon McClung as well. Uh, the three of us have had numerous discussions through the years, breaking down films and breaking down TV shows and battles and what have you. And the whole point of starting the show was so that we could have these debates among amongst knowledgeable people and maybe get heated every once in a while, but always come back together, still friends at the end of the episode. And that's the positive thing that you said last episode that you want to yeah, you know, promote. Like I said, <clears throat> there's a lot of divisions out there in, uh, in the world, but in fandoms in particular. And uh, we want to create a place where you can come, you can talk about what you loved, what you didn't love, what you didn't like, what you hated. Yeah. And there can be discussions, there can be disagreements, but at the end of the day, we all love this shit. Yeah. And let's all just continue loving it and not let uh, some angry trolling and craziness rip us apart. Yeah. And you know what? You... you we do this stuff because this brings us joy. This is the mm-hmm. thing we, you know, we, we don't. You don't get paid to go see movies. You don't get paid to sit down with your buddies and talk about movies. We do this because we enjoy it. Yeah. So lean into that. Like it's okay to have a disagreement. It is okay not to like something. Yeah. It is not okay to tweet at that director or that actor telling them that you've ruined their childhood. <laughs> <laughs> or worse, death threats, which yeah. I've heard from a number of people in the sphere. Um, let's talk real quickly. What has been the reception to the first show? You, we were talking about about it when we're having dinner ahead of time. Have you uh, yeah, gotten you positive? Guys, uh, all you guys and girls that have been listening have been really, really great. Uh, we've gotten a lot of really positive feedback. You guys tended to like listening to us talk, which makes us feel great. Hell yeah. Um, and yeah, I got some really great feedback about just liking the vibe of the show. So, you know, if you guys do like things, not like things, have suggestions, you can definitely uh, hit us up. I think on Twitter we are. Yeah, we're at, at the Geek, Geek Buddies. At the Geek Buddies? Oh, yeah. Oh, on Twitter, it's uh, Geek underscore Buddies. Yeah. At yeah. Geek underscore Buddies. Uh, so we definitely want to hear what you guys think. We definitely want to hear what you guys want us to talk about, yeah. what you guys want to hear us uh, uh, dive into. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we're looking at the next several weeks of like figuring out what the show is going to be, we want your feedback. Yeah. This is an organic uh, show, constantly evolving, and it'll find its groove very soon. But I think we kicked off with a really good episode. Um, what has been the reception from your friends? You know what? I, you know. Mean, I got I got a lot of positive uh, a lot of positive feedback. A really good friend of mine who works in visual effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, he heard us talking about Game of Thrones specifically and about the darkness, mm-hmm. and he usually he's like, "Well, you know, from a visual effects point of view, this is why this is why you do this to save money. Mm. You you throw a lot of fog in, you throw a lot of mist in. He's like, you do that to save money. He's like, that being said, he's like, when I saw how long your guys' first episode was, like, there's no way I'm going to make it. <laughs> he's like, it's too long. 
And he said, by the end of it, he's like, I can't believe it's already over. Right. Longer episodes starting yes, that's tonight. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> There's no Avengers Endgame episodes here happening, the three-hour episode. We're not doing that. But Yet. Um, yeah, right, yeah. At some point down the road, maybe. Uh, for, so if you're listening to us for the first time, the way the show is structured is we'll do like a news item of the week. Each one of us leads a news item of the week. Then we'll get into some uh, review of something or we'll get into a big discussion about something and then end it with a review of something and then maybe suggest a game thing for you to think about for the rest of the week or an, uh, a geek property that you could explore uh, in that way. And as the show goes along, there'll be different segments, different uh, things we come up with. Uh, we're try- trying to hit all the box or check all the boxes, hit all, you know, hit all the bases and do what needs to be done uh, for the geek buddy. So uh, shall we start? Absolutely. All right. Well, the number one story, at least in my mind, coming out of this weekend is Avengers Endgame's box office, both positive and negative, I want to see what you guys think about this. It topped $2 billion globally. Incredible. In 11 days. That's phenomenal. But it dropped 60% from the first weekend to the second weekend. But, Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I think when you have the biggest... A $200 million drop. But when you have the biggest... open, Okay. What was the second weekend box office? I believe it was $147 145. Million. Yeah. So I think when your second weekend box office mm-hmm. still is in three figures, the drop-off is – that's to be expected. I mean everyone mm-hmm. in the entire world went to go see Endgame yeah, yeah, yeah. literally yeah. Uh, when it came out. So obviously there's going to be a big drop-off. But when you're talking about a 60% drop-off of a movie and, the, and the all of a sudden your second week – take your weekend take is like $20 million, you're like, oh, that's pretty rough. Yeah. When your second weekend take is still $100 million plus – there's no negative to that drop. <laughs> when your second week intake is more than what most movies make in their entire run, right. that's still a win. Well, Aquaman was only dropping, what, 30% per week or 20, 25, 30, 40%? Yeah, but it, didn't it wasn't open, going 60. But it didn't open over 100, though. Either, true, true. It? But are we dealing numbers or percentages? That's the conversation. I think you have to deal percentages. Okay. Don't you think? Or numbers. You oh, mean numbers. Me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, this is one of those things that's like, you can take facts and figures and spin them anyway, and right. anybody wanting to try and like knock at Endgame can be like, oh, look at that percentage drop this weekend. But that's ridiculous. Mm. I mean, it's the biggest movie of all time. Not yet. It's going to be the biggest movie. So you think movie. it'll pass Avatar? I think it will. What about you, Shannon? I absolutely do. I saw it for the fourth time this past Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. in Woodland Hills. And for those of you that aren't from Southern California, Woodland Hills is about 15 to 20 miles outside of like Los Angeles proper. Yeah. Um, 10 a.m. And it was sold out. Wow. So, yes, okay. people are going to keep keep okay. seeing this. More people are going to go see it and more people are also going to be rewatching it. Yeah. It, well, it's an incredible record. I mean, the, it was only just shy of the record for the second weekend of a film, which was The Force Awakens with 149.2. Million. So it isn't doing too shabby. I obviously. also think, I mean, when you look at the sum total of like what Marvel as an entity does, yeah, yeah, yeah. one of the things that I thought was super interesting was that Captain Marvel's box office like got a big uptick in yes. the weeks leading up to Avengers. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one of the things that's really interesting to me is that people treat Marvel as a they under, even people who aren't comic book people understand the continuity of Marvel, and I think we talked about this last week as well. But like people really wanted to check off the boxes before they see Endgame, and yeah. I do think that Endgame has such a strong word of mouth. The reviews were good, people's reactions are good. That I think one of the reasons that it's going to sustain a box office is I think there's people at home right now just trying to barrel through all these movies that they missed. Oh yeah, and that then they're wa- they're waiting to go see Endgame. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like they're like, I gotta see this and this and this, and then I'm gonna see it. And I think it was it was Endgame's first weekend where Captain Marvel 
from, I believe, the bottom five yes. jumped up to number two. Right. That's kind of unheard of. Well, yeah, because she had such great uh, parts in the movie that made you want to go back now and see what maybe they missed. Uh, it's $600 million away from crossing Avatar, from beating Avatar, becoming the number one film of all time. <clears throat> but we've got competition. Like Avatar was a different time back then. Force Awakens had the Christmas. So there wasn't a lot of competition for Christmas at the time. They've got Pikachu coming up. They've got uh, John Wick coming up. They've got um, uh, a number of other uh, Aladdin's coming up. There Godzilla. are other Godzilla, King of Monsters. These are all coming up here. Are they going to slowly take chunks out of that box what? office that will stop it from getting the six hundred million that it needs to pass Avatar? Will it? Will all <clears> of these <throat> movies come out and take chunks out of the box office? Sure. Okay. I mean that is the nature of movies. Like these movies are going to come out. People are going to go see them. We'll all right. go see them. But I think Endgame is going to have some pretty strong legs. It's going to have at least enough legs to get it. Past Avatar. Yeah, and this okay. is going to run all summer. And right. when Spider-Man comes out July 2nd, I bet we'll see an uptick in Avengers then. Right. That's what some people have been saying, that that Far From Home will elevate it back up into that sphere. I don't think it's going to beat Avatar. I don't see the legs to it that I think – I think people, I think it was an event thing that people went to, and I would not be surprised if next uh, weekend the box office take is under $100 million. I would not be surprised. Well, we and then a, we start to get slower and slower and lower and lower as it goes along because everyone's seen it already. Well, a 50% drop is still somewhere in the mid-70s. I mean, and yeah. the third weekend, again, that's more money than most movies make in their entire run. No, it's a very good point. But will it get the $600 million? You guys seem to think that it will. And I'm 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 not sure of the what I'm seeing with the patterns. And I was reading Scott Mendelson in Forbes. He's one of the best to break down the box office. Uh, and looking at how he's tracked it, he thinks it's going to fall just short. If I if I remember, just short of crossing Avatar. And I wonder because of the summer and there's so many films. Do people want it? Because you know the attention span of people nowadays. Once they've seen it once or twice, they go, Oh yeah, I'm definitely going to see it again. But then other things get in the way, and how they never times, do. How many times have you seen it? Twice. Do you want to see it again? Of course I want to see it again. Yeah, but I'm not like everybody else. Is, that's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I, rest, I rest my case. I will say that it's a valid point to rest your case on because if my girlfriend was a superhero person, loving person at all, we would have gone. But because she doesn't, and I didn't have a three-hour break where she wasn't around the apartment, I did not go see it. And the films that you mentioned, the ones that could possibly take a chunk out of mm -hmm. the box office, we're talking Detective Pikachu. That's going to be mainly geared towards a younger audience. Well, John yeah. Wick 3, that is an R-rated film. True. So you're talking you're talking little tiny slices. But I think yeah. are... What are you talking about Pikachu's for a younger audience? P oh, Pokemon oh. is generally for a younger audience. Do you not think I, you don't think oh, that's right? Oh, here we go. Here we go. How very dare you, sir. Wow. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> primarily that is going to be towards a younger audience. I am going to go see that movie. I think it looks funny. But I would say most most guys in their 30s, 40s, 50s might not necessarily be in most. I'm not saying all. Except for two words. Okay. Ryan Reynolds. That's what I was just going to bring up. Smartest thing they did. I, I agree with you. I think that, uh, and this, we'll talk about summer movies yeah. a little bit more in a bit, but I think that had I seen the Detective Pikachu trailer, and it had looked as good as it did. The special effects, the effects of the Pokemon looked as good as it did. Everything. Mm -hmm. yeah. And Pikachu had just gone, Pika Pika. I would have been like, that looks cute. 
The second that Ryan Reynolds is the voice of Pikachu, I do think it takes it to a different level, and I think they were super smart for doing it. And I think that's one of the reasons they did it. I think that you're going to get a wider audience for that movie than people are expecting, mainly because of Ryan Reynolds. Mm. I I don't think you're wrong, but I don't think it's quite as wide as you think it's going to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, outside of Deadpool, name me me another franchise or another movie that Ryan Reynolds in that has been a big moneymaker. Van Wilde. Oh, my God. Sir. (laughs) Sir. You may leave. Green. Oh, no. And Michael just walked out. He shot himself in the head over that movie, for God's sakes. Um, Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. I think Ryan Reynolds, I think it's a great uh, um, thing to throw in there because it is certainly going to make a difference, I think, in people going to see it versus people who weren't going to see it. I think there's people will who weren't going to see it originally, and that'll be interesting what the box office for it is. And we'll see. We'll see. And it may be that this is why Marvel dropped that Spider-Man Far From Home trailer today, which we'll talk about in a little bit, because maybe they thought, well, this is going to get people back in the theaters. Now, to go see Avengers Endgame, this excitement, we don't want to lose the box office to drop off too much. We do want to get that. Because you could argue they could have waited another month for Far From Home or another two more weeks for Far From Home because we're still getting over Avengers Endgame to all of a sudden have this film, this trailer drop that puts us back into that world so quickly and moves us forward. It's kind of... uh, an interesting decision to make. Oh, for sure. And how smart to have Tom Holland introduce yes. the trailer. Yes, like Mr. That. That Spoilers. <laughs> really, really smart. Yeah, Mikey? Well, should we talk about the trailer? Well, let's, well... Oh, no, we're not going to do it. Not yet, not yet. Let's jump into the other thing that you... The, who's, who's leading no, the no, second that one? No, that was going to be me. Okay, go so, ahead, please. Uh, April 30th, we lost a, a Star Wars franchise legend. Yeah. Peter Mayhew passed away. He was almost 75 years old. Um, if you ever watch any of the special features on any of the Star Wars films, you would see interviews with him. Uh, you know, you, he just seemed like a genuinely good guy. You hear about him showing up at conventions. He had uh, when when uh, mobility became an issue for him later in life. He had he had a lightsaber cane. Um, everyone ah. just talked about what a what a wonderful guy he was. And um, I was reading some stuff on him earlier. And he became a naturalized citizen, U.S. citizen, in 2005. He and his wife lived in Texas, and they had a ceremony. Which he gave an interview later and said, "This was also this was another ceremony where I didn't get a medal." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so just thinking about Peter Mayhew and the contribution that he made to the Star Wars universe, mm. I don't know. Do you guys have any favorite yeah, Chewbacca moments? I do, but I also wanted to say I do have a favorite Chewbacca moment. But I was also going to say George Lucas actually, uh, I believe today, released a statement about mm. it, and he actually said this really sweet thing. One, he was talking about how. They just – they really needed to cast a tall person and yeah. they were over in the UK and they just couldn't find any tall people. And somebody found Peter Mayhew. He was working as an orderly mm-hmm. at a hospital and George Lucas said he went – he met him and like Peter Mayhew was sitting down. He stood up and he was just like, you're hired. Right. <laughs> but he said this really sweet thing about how in the way that he had envisioned Chewbacca when he wrote Star Wars, Chewbacca was this really vicious, angry, badass, like beast sidekick co-pilot guy and Peter Mayhew was just so naturally sweet that even though Chewbacca was still supposed to be tough like this sweetness sort of kind of bled through into the character and that kind of became not only what Chewbacca is but kind of like what Wookiees became that Peter and so it's like it's one of those one really beautiful things that you think about this nice 
sweet, mild-mannered soul who got yeah. to play this giant hairy beast in a sci-fi movie in 77 and ended up sort of defining what we think of as Wookiees, mm-hmm. which I think is really sweet. And actually, my one of my favorite moments, it's, it's cliched and it's the original moment, but, you know... It's the original Star Wars uh, C-3PO and Chewie are on the Millennium Falcon playing – what is that game called? Oh, Monster, I don't know. Monster it, Chess? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Monster Chess. Some, Holographic a, Chess. Some nerd is yelling at us right <laughs> now. Oh, my God, I'm sure our friend Mark Sloan. Oh, yeah. Sloan is totally – correct yeah. me later. So I'm, I'm ready to be corrected. But yeah. it's that moment where it's the let the Wookiee win. Mm. Um, because it's just the ridiculousness of this giant monster mm-hmm. and this droid playing this game and him getting so angry, but it's like, yeah, just keep him cool. And it just, it, <laughs> it was one of the first Chewbacca moments. There's been so many great moments since then, but it was kind of one of those defining moments, not only for Chewbacca as a character, but for, for sort of for Star Wars, like this is the tone and humor yeah. of this universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mine, I think is from Empire Strikes Back. And I guess it's a little bit more of a dramatic moment mm-hmm. right before, uh, Han is uh, about to be frozen in carbonite, and you see it's a little, a little, a little more dramatic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You see Chewie just throw inside uh, stormtroopers from side to side, and then Han is the one that's able to calm him down. Mm. And you know, when you when you're acting, I mean, you have you have it? It says someone has to take care of the princess. Is that what he says? Yeah, yeah. It's right after Vader's like put him in. And Chewie erupts. That was and not a good Vader impression. I have to say, no, it was very. <laughs> you didn't even try. I even tried to do the put James. him in. Yeah, ah, that's not voice, a Vader impression. My voice, put him in. My voice that, is not that deep. That's as deep as you can go. Really? That, uh, do we want to get on this right now? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. Sorry, continue. I'm a little surprised. Continue with that. your cute Vader story. Yeah, <laughs> put him in. That's 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 all I got. A little closer. A little closer. <laughs> I really had to prep for that. Now I had to breathe. I know his face is all red now. <laughs> he literally is there. turning red in the face. You guys can't see this right now. He's trying really, really Woo! hard. Put him in. That's okay. All. Okay. Mm, nope. <laughs> But as an actor, you know, you have, you have you have more than just dialogue to work with. You have your face. Like, he didn't even have his face. He had his eyes. Right, right. He had his eyes and he had his body. And to watch the conversation as Han is, sa- is saying, the princess, you have to take care of her. You see his posture change. Mm-hmm. You, see his, you see his shoulders soften. You see an exchange between these two lifelong friends. And I think it's really a testament to his ability as an actor to be able to do that covered from head to toe in hair and only using his eyeballs. Yeah, I mean, people forget how much, like, this is not nowadays where they can put the makeup on you a lot quicker. This is the older days when it took so long to put something like Chewbacca on and put everything the way it's supposed to be and then he's supposed to act within that whole and remember he's an orderly this is not an actor a trained actor who went to you know went to Belgium or something and learned how to act you know face face acting and all that kind of jazz that Belgium they face acting academy have That's you seen big. those videos I didn't know this oh. like, I literally just found out uh, a couple yeah. of days ago somebody tweeted it because of because uh, of his passing it never occurred to me but like when he was on set mm-hmm. And he was acting with Harrison Ford or anybody like he just said actual dialogue that would fit what Chewbacca was supposed to be saying. And they would put all the Wookiee noises in later in post. Right. But he's a British dude. Yeah. (laughs) So there's these videos that people that are from like the set where it's like it's from like the first Star Wars movie. Obi-Wan Kenobi walks out of the room after telling them what's going to go down. And he's like. That guy's crazy. <laughs> and he, man's out of his mind. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, he's out of his mind. And hearing like this British sort of like voice come out of this giant Wookiee is the funniest thing in the entire world. Well, what was better, his acting with his words or his acting with his noises, would you say? Well, they weren't his noises. The noises were put in in post. Well, what's, so that's part of the acting, though, isn't it? 
It is. Okay. But I think what's great is like you're even like there's some scenes from Empire where he's on top of the Millennium Falcon uh, in the station of Moth. Mm. And Harrison Ford is like, we got to get this thing ready. And like in the movie when you watch it, Chewie's like. See, now that's an impression, Shane. But he, yeah. but uh, but when you watch this video, <laughs> it's like ha, ha, Harrison Ford's like, Chewie, we got to get out of here. And he's like, all right, already. I'm hurrying as fast <laughs> as I can. And you're like, that is, that, that is real interesting. Mm. I'm going to work on some higher pitched characters for next oh, week. Oh, yeah. I'm going to work on some Jawa impersonations. Yeah. I'm really going to knock your socks off. Get, get Watto. If you can get Watto down, that'd be good. Hey. Oh, yeah, let's not go down that road. Oh, is that too far? Yeah, Shannon. No, no. <laughs> the power of the dark side. <laughs> am I that nasally? No, no. No, no, twi- no. tweet at us. Let me know if I'm that nasally. No. <laughs> I am your father. Uh, listen, we, <laughs> Johnny, what's your favorite uh, Chewy moment? Uh, mine is uh, in Jedi. After he's uh, after a Solo is uh, decarbonated, whatever you want to say, unfrozen, and uh, I like Chewie's reaction uh, because it, it bleeds into what Shannon was saying, like his anger at having seen his f- best friend go into carbonite. Now he's so happy that they were able to be reunited that he starts shaking him and he doesn't realize his strength. I mean, Solo is scared in this moment being shaken like this, like his brains are going to pop out of his head. You know, he's just like, he's like, oh, I'm fine. All right, all right, all right, all right, calm down. Um, so I love that because that's a friend moment. That's a friend moment. He is so, he's so in love with uh, his friend and being reunited with his friend that like, his joy overtakes his caution, and yeah. so he just kind of lets himself be vulnerable. And we don't get that many vulnerable moments with Chewie throughout the series, right? Not many scenes, period, with Chewie throughout the series, but those the scenes we do get sometimes are just so fantastic, along with him sitting back and putting his hands behind oh, his head, which is a brilliant moment. <laughs> So. I love the way he he pet Harrison Ford's head at the end. Uh, yeah, all right, pal. Yeah, all yeah. Right. He's petting him like 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 he was probably petted. Yeah, yeah, exactly. His affection. Uh, all right, let's move on. Well, well, we say one last uh, Wookiee uh, scream to the sky for Peter Mayhew. Thank you for creating such an incredible character and right. affecting our lives. Three, three, two, one. Wookiee noise. Let's do it. All right, three, two, one. That's good. Shannon, you got to work on yours. All right, let's move on. <laughs> uh, the baby Wookiee from the Christmas special. Oh, it's canon. It's canon. All right, let's move on to our next story. Our last story here in the Geek News section. Who's leading this one? Uh, it's me, and it is. We already just touched on it, but I wanted to talk about the uh, the the Spider Man Far From Home trailer that dropped on Monday. Yeah. Um. Holy shit! <laughs> There's holy shit. And there you have it, ladies uh, and gentlemen. Again, kind of like what we were talking about with Endgame's box office and everything. I think Marvel is – Marvel continues to surprise and delight in yeah. the brilliance not only of their storytelling but in their rollout of things. Uh, the Russo brothers uh, last week tweeted, let everybody know that Monday was the day that you could start talking about Endgame spoilers. Yeah. That would, the embargo was lifted. We are now allowed to discuss openly on social media. I like how they decided for everybody else. Well, and I thought it was an interesting thing that Screw they did. Screw you. Yeah. Well, until this trailer came. Right, out. right. Because clearly it was the, well, we're going to let you guys talk about spoilers because we're finally going to reveal. And, you know, when you compare this trailer to the first trailer, mm. you can really see how with the first trailer they wanted to show you a bunch of cool stuff, reveal Mysterio, do everything they did. But they really had to step around the emotional heart of what this movie is. Yeah. And what's great about it is the emotional heart of this movie based on this trailer seems to be that Peter Parker is having a fucking hard time. Mm-hmm. 
as are the rest of us, with, again, even though the Russo brothers said it was okay, spoiler alert, we're going to say spoilers, so pause it now. Jesus. Um, He's dealing with Tony Stark's death, and the world is dealing with Tony Stark's death. There's these paintings of Iron Man everywhere. It's Mm. like, it's so great. He's having a really hard time with it. And then they also revealed that uh, Mysterio, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, is not from our Earth. Supposedly. He says it. But who knows if it's true. True. Which we'll figure out as it goes along. But I want to get your take on this, Mike, and yours, Shannon. This is his Uncle Ben moment. How interesting that they put it in with Tony Stark. Tony Stark is his Uncle Ben dying on his watch in essence. And Peter has to live with the death of Tony. It's not the same way where he feels guilty. But certainly he carries the pressure that Tony had left him with mm. and yes. trained him with. Even Happy Hogan says, I don't think Tony, in the trailer, I don't think Tony would have done that if he didn't know that you were here to yeah. take the, I mean, take out the slack. To be clear, Uncle Ben did exist and did die in these movies. I don't know. No, in the uh, I don't know if it's in the second trailer, but in the first trailer, yeah. when you see Peter uh, close his suitcase. Yeah. Uh, the initials on the suitcase are B something P, but it's I, th- I believe it's oh. Ben Parker. Oh, I believe. Okay, ben. we can check on that. I thought it was T S Tony Stark. I thought that's what it was. No, that no, was no, that, no. I, suitcase, you <laughs> asshole. But I do think you make a good point is in that even though uh, and look, I think that the that Marvel was smart. I love the Uncle Ben story. It's oh, iconic. Sure. It's a part of what Spider-Man is. But we've seen it so many times. Yeah. Everyone has seen it so many times. I think they were smart to skip it. But I do agree with what you're saying. And I do think it's really interesting in that the relationship that the that he has built with Tony is also reflective of that same core essence of who Spider-Man is, mm-hmm. of having these role models, these people you looked up to that have disappeared. I also am wondering it, – it seems, you know, because like you said, Happy says to him – uh, I don't think that Tony would have done what he did mm. if he didn't think you were here. The policemen in the trailer say, are you the new Iron Man? Yeah. And then Mysterio shows up as this quote unquote hero. I have a feeling that might change. Yeah. But uh, clearly with a level of technology and understanding of what being a hero is. And I think that this is going to be a movie where Peter kind of sees Mysterio as his out. I think he's really questioning oh. his role in doing this stuff. I think he's dealt with a lot. Interesting. Here. And I think that maybe he sees Mysterio as like, oh, cool, you're here in our world now and mm-hmm. you can be – I don't know if this is – yeah, yeah, this yeah, is sure. literally just what I – Just what we're having a conversation. What I, what, I took, what I took it for it. But that he sees Mysterio as this, oh, cool, Tony's not here, Iron Man's not here, but now you can do this so I don't have to carry this responsibility. Oh. Interesting. And at the end of the day – probably that's not how that's going to go down. <laughs> right, uh, right. But so I think it's going to be a really great moment on Peter's journey yeah. to really embracing becoming this bigger hero within the Marvel Universe, which I think is really cool. One of the... One of the uh, also, just oh, really yeah, quickly, sorry, I want to say before... Yeah. Um, bitch, you've been to space. <laughs> I know. Bitch, please. <laughs> bitch, please, you've been to space. Maybe one of the greatest lines ever uttered in a comic book anything. How, how do we not get the red bar for that it, one? It was so – it like knocked me in the head when he yeah. said it. I was so shocked that he said it and it made me laugh so hard. Yeah. <laughs> Shanna, something to think about for me – and listen, listen. When you do what I do at Collider, like you're asked all the time to speculate and, and, and people give you shit for your thoughts or your points of views. But every once in a while, you maybe get something right. And for me, I had predicted months ago – that it felt to me like they were positioning Spider-Man to lead the new Avengers. And everyone's like, no, he's too young. He's still a kid in high school, blah, blah, blah. Well, how do we solve this thing, right? Five years later, 
Yes, I know he was dusted during those five years, but the world's moved on. Tom, Tom Holland looks bigger in this trailer. Yeah, look, he does. There, okay, all right. Okay, yeah, all right. You know what? <laughs> Don't objectify. No, I'm joking. He, like, looks... America's ass has got a new contender. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, he's, a, he's like, a, you know, he, he looks more in control and in command of his world, right? The jokes with the cops, which you mentioned, Mike, that's a very in-command Spider-Man. It's not like, hey, guys, making these jokes. He's more like, no, you know, I'm doing your job. Ah, like, little jokes. Of me just now? No, no, was I was... Impression of me? <laughs> My impression of you is, you don't know the power of the dark side. <laughs> With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. Like, but like, this is what I find interesting. And so now it feels like this trailer certainly felt like he was going to take Tony's spot as one of the leaders of the new Avengers. I and I really, wonder if that's going to happen. I don't see that. I okay. still think even though that, yes, it's five years later and he was dusted, he is still taking like, Tony's spot. Tony was leading the Avengers. Yeah, but he's still, he's still a kid though. He is mm-hmm. still, he is still a teenager. And, when you look at the larger MCU in terms of the characters who are around who could lead a team, right? You think of the Black Panthers, you think of the Captain Marvel. I don't though. You don't think of those people as, no. as, le- as leading? Black Panther has to run a, f- a nation. Marvel, even they said in the trailer, Captain Marvel's out there. We don't know when she's coming back. Thor's with the Guardians. Hulk- Professor Hulk is not going to have anything to do with this, I don't think. Um, there's no way Hawkeye's coming back. Black Widow is dead. Iron Man is dead. Captain America's retired. All the core Avengers are gone. Well, so that's, you have to start looking at who are the ones that are all, on Earth and actually be able to do anything. You do make a good point, but first of all, you don't know Hawkeye's gone. Hawkeye's gone. But. You don't know what Bruce Banner is going to do or not do. He's going to have. Uh, I think Amy Pascal moving to Universal is part of this move. Maybe they want to have a Hulk standalone movie with Ruffalo doing a, a Hulk movie, Professor Hulk movie. And confronting what that's all about. I don't know. And, and I I will preface this by saying I think that Ruffalo is the best Hulk. And I think Hulk Agreed. is amazing. And I love Hulk in the Avengers movies mm-hmm. and Thor 3. I don't know that Hulk is a character that necessarily can sustain his own movie. Wow. Yeah, and in this version, you really don't have any place else to go with him. Like you've kind of you've kind of hit the apex unless you unless you get to the point of like he realizes he can't for whatever reason he can't keep like keep that balance between the two. Like right. he has to turn into Hulk or he has to turn into Banner. But it's kind of like what we were talking about with uh, at the with Guardians Three. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, as a couple, Gamora and Peter had hit the apex. Like they were a good, well-adjusted right. couple. And right. so, uh, how do we make them interesting? Like, okay, knock her off, and now we're bringing her from the past. So you're starting over. Like yeah. you have to get that you have to get that work done again. And I don't think that's going to happen with Hulk. Um, jumping back to the trailer, yeah, yeah. another thing that I was very uh, surprised and excited about was uh, MJ. Zendaya, yeah. uh, just basically being like, I know you're Spider-Man. The, so from the Greg Berlanti universe, where no one can keep their identity for more than two episodes away from anybody. <laughs> it was my, that was so interesting. But also, that's realistic. Right. I mean, like, the reality is, This version is, of MJ would I figure actually, I actually got to, th- not only this version, but I was just thinking about it, after I watched the trailer, I was walking my dog and contemplating being a superhero, as I often do. Yes. Um, and the reality is, if I all of a sudden just started disappearing all the time on sure, you guys sure, sure. and not really having good reasons. Like, first of all, you all would take me aside and be like, what the hell? But I do think that, like, the reality is this superhero identity thing is hard. Yeah. And I actually really enjoy when movies sort of cop to that and say, yeah, it's pretty obvious, dude. So yeah. I really liked that in the trailer. Like, everything about this trailer was great. But do you think they would telegraph it that early? Like, if that is a a something that they are going to do, do you think they would have put that in a trailer? Well, uh, oh, good point. I think that 
it seems to me, and we'll see, we'll find out in a couple months, but uh, there's so much going on in this movie that they didn't mind mm. copying to that early. Like, I don't think that that's like a, a false reveal. I don't think that they're going to be like, oh, she said that, but then in the the next five lines, Peter's like, no, it's not true. And she's like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, I think by putting that in the trailer, I think that's going to be... I also think that, like, we've reached a point in comics with certain characters, whether it be Superman and Lois Lane, uh, Peter Parker and MJ, where they... Those characters have known about the superhero identity thing mm. for so long in comics that we don't mind in the movie versions or the newer versions of these characters like jumping to that faster. Like I don't think that we need three movies of uh, MJ being mad that Peter's mm. not around and you missed dinner and where were you and you're always making excuses. Like we don't need those stories anymore so there's no reason no. not to just jump to it and say great, okay, I got it. You're a superhero. But the way she's established though, she is established as a ball buster. Yeah. I mean it seems very, very likely like, and she's like it's kind of obvious you, you know, beat, beat. I'm kidding. What, what did you want to talk to me about? It right. could be that. I would be disappointed if it was. Well, and the thing is, the the um, precedent for that was set uh, with Aunt May finding out so quickly that he's Spider Man. Totally right, and there the, and Ned finding out within the first movie of Homecoming that he's Spider Man, and so this is an identity that's not difficult to figure out, right? And so maybe and and MCU doesn't like to walk the same path that other people have walked. They like to do their own thing and make adjustments within the um, lore. So making it easier and actually, there is there is precedence in the comics for there, MJ finding out that he's Spider Man quickly. Is there any character in the MCU that has a secret identity? I don't think so. Maybe no. maybe T'Challa. Maybe T'Challa to, well, the, to the world, to right? The world. To the world, but even that at the end of Black Panther was we're going to open the doors. Well, to Wakanda, not to Wakanda, him being Black Panther, but, but yeah, T'Challa seemed to be well because there was that scene uh, after when when they when he captured Claw, where they were like the world is watching, right, and whatever. Right. So yeah, maybe T'Challa, but like yeah, it's actually as we're sitting here talking about it, yeah. it all of a sudden occurred to me, and I never thought about it this way before, but like Marvel's kind of been like. Fuck it. Because this is real. Yeah. We're we're trying to be as real as possible. The minute that Iron Man, at the end of the Iron Man movie, was like, Tony Stark was like, I'm Iron Man. Uh, you know, everyone knows who Steve Rogers is. Like, yeah. I mean, like, it's like not Bruce Banner. Like, it's it's all yeah. very public knowledge. There's not a lot of here's your secret hero identity and here's your normal life. Like, they just kind of like this is your normal life, and they skipped over yeah. that whole part of it, which is kind of fascinating when you think about the fact that Marvel is the top tier of all comic book superhero movies that there are and mm-hmm. such a big part of the superhero genre which is the secret identity bit they've basically been like yeah we don't we don't have time we got too many big things to do yeah it's a waste of time they don't need to play that trope over and over again because even you're right ned yeah aunt may mj and also most shockingly uh the vulture Michael yeah Keaton, right, right, right. Vulture, which right. still to this day is one of my favorite moments of any reveal of oh, any movie i yeah. literally clutched my pearls and like fell out of my chair at the movie theater <laughs> like i couldn't even deal with it when he adjusts the rearview mirror and they both know about each other oh. the multiverse thing is an interesting conversation shannon maybe you what do you think about that we were talking to our friend mark sloan who we mentioned already by the way mark is a friend of ours who is into it and tech very smart guy so works- like Soup's nerdy. Soup's nerdy. Totes nerdy. <laughs> he's probably listening to us in his garage of this studio that he's built for himself that he's never shot anything on uh, other than test shots. But he was saying that he thinks the multiverse, and we were having an intense text conversation for about an hour and a half this morning um, about it. He thinks it's a mistake possibly 
to put the multiverse into the movies because he thinks it couldn't confuse the fans because so many fans still were needing to have Avengers uh, Endgame explained to them, the time jump and the time iced, all of that afterwards. My response to him was, it didn't affect the box office. Right. So does, does this multiverse thing, do you think it's real, first of all, and do you think it's, yeah? I question it's it, the realness of it, but okay. I do think an audience is perfectly able Why to... Why do you question the realness of it? I question the realness of it because I don't think, you know how Tom, when, uh, 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 in the third act when Tony says... When you mess with time, time messes back. Yeah, yeah. This is, I don't feel like this is that. I think this is a different thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I get that Sam Jackson says, uh, you know, the snap ripped a hole in our universe. I don't necessarily, because he's getting that information from Mysterio. Is he? I don't know. That is my guess. Right, right, right. I'm speculating right now. He's getting that information from Mysterio. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I I don't buy that the multiverse theory is going to be in play in Mm -hmm. this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think, CW has been doing it for years yeah. with their DC television universe. So I think it, an audience can very easily comprehend and digest it. I don't know if it's what this is, though. Yeah, I don't, and, and there's a, there was an allusion to it, I think, in Endgame, the 616 that was in the back of somebody, which is the court, what Earth is in the Marvel Universe, yep. is six, Earth 616. So Because in the Marvel Universe, all the different realities are numbered. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's what's so... Uh, what makes me think that they will do the multiverse, maybe not to the extent that you've seen it in the comics, but certainly to a degree that can be palatable for movie-going audiences. I think they. I think it is not a fake-out. I think it is real, mm-hmm. and I think it's smart for them to do it. So disagree right. with Mark. Um, only because I think what Marvel has done really well is everything that happens, there's a cause and effect to everything, and it allows them to build to bigger stories. Yes. And so I think this whole concept of, look, we all saw Endgame. Tilda Swinton, with some very lovely visuals, explained that there's different realities and you needed the reality stones. You can't take the reality stones away. And like by the fact that the Avengers went through and hopped into all these other realities and did stuff, that's going to have effects that is going to play into Disney+. Plus. Like yeah. we talked about last week with yeah. like the Loki story and everything else. And the idea that we are not the only universe with heroes who are smart enough to use the quantum realm and time travel GPSs that Tony builds. And if Mysterio is actually a person who's remotely on par with Tony as Mm. far as like technology or intelligence or anything um, or is just an idiot like Scott Lang who fell in with some smart people, uh, he can do the same thing that those guys did. And there's no reason that he couldn't Mm. do that. And so the idea that there's now this hopping of people from one reality to another, which is a big part of the Marvel universe Mm -hmm. in the comics – I think they're going to go there, and I think it's going to allow them to create for bigger, more complex stories. And where Marvel, again, we said this last week, they're like a TV show um, so that they don't have to start from ground zero each time. Right. So to Mark's point or to anyone's point who feels like it's not a great idea, like if you were just going to all of a sudden do a rant – if DC came out tomorrow and said, we're rebooting the DC universe and the first movie is going to be multiple heroes from multiple realities (laughs) all coming together – You'd be like, oh, God, you guys have really not gotten there so far. I don't know if it's smart. But after 22 movies going, hey, this whole last movie where we ripped apart reality to fix everything, that's going to have some after effects. And now some shit's going to happen. I'm like, yeah, I think the audience is ready to go with you on that. Shannon, counter? I'm not saying I don't agree with that. I'm just saying I don't – I'm not taking it at face value. Okay. I'm not taking it at face value. And what was the thing we were just talking about where, uh, oh, uh, MJ, think, knowing that he's Spider-Man, yeah. I'm not taking that at face value. That's fair. I'm saying let's wait and see. That's right. I mean, I don't, know the, I don't know the MCU to swerve. Like, they don't usually do massive swerves. Like, people thought, oh, they're going to bring everybody back. Yes and no. They brought people back, but they brought people back at a cost. 
And that's where the reality was of the situation. Loki escaped in an in a essentially a Keystone Cops kind of situation, which works, but Gomorrah is very much dead. Black Widow is very much dead. Iron Man is very much dead. So yes, people came back, but it was at an incredible yeah. cost. And so and the even the ending of Endgame is so powerful for the emotion of everyone coming through those portals and having the battle, but if Captain Marvel doesn't show up, this is a game over. They would have yeah. lost that war. And so you're just like, holy crap. Um, I also think that Marvel doesn't like cheap out on you in that way. Like, like let me put it this way. Right. If they were like, MJ doesn't really know that he's Spider-Man and the next thing is her saying, haha, just kidding. And Mysterio isn't from another reality. And those were both fake outs in one trailer. I would call bullshit on that. I'd be like, you guys, that's a shitty thing to do. And I don't think that they do that. Do you think, I think the other I think other big studios do that sometimes. Oh, I think well. that they do, not. <laughs> do you think the elementals are uh lies they as Mysterio is saying uh, from another realm or Jackson says from another realm. Do you think they're from the multiverse? Maybe. I I don't know. I I'm surprised that they would take a chance because like Spider-Man 3, one of the biggest issues people have was that Venom and Hydro Man or whatever, uh, Sandman, all that kind of stuff. It was it's a left a bad taste in people's mouths. I don't know why they'd go back to the Elementals, uh, uh, you know, this uh, villain group from the seventies. Why they would bring them in? Because nothing's. What's so scary about a wind monster, a water monster, a sand monster, a molten lava monster? Yes, they can do damage, but it isn't really scary. There's no main villain in those four faceless, uh, speechless things. Well, so I think that. Is Mysterio controlling them? I guess is what I'm saying. I think Mysterio could be controlling them. Okay. I think I thought that from the first trailer as a yeah. possibility. But I also think that where they're making it all make sense is whether Mysterio is controlling them or these are things that came from Mysterio's reality. I think that at the end of the day, Mysterio is going to be the main villain. And mm-hmm. these element, whether it, you know, Hydro and Sandman and whatever else they're doing here, uh, you know, in the comics, these guys' original origin stories, they were all just sort of crooks. Like yeah. Spider-Man has some awesome villains from a rogues gallery standpoint that do awesome things, yeah. but not every one of them has the best origin story. They're mostly just hired muscle. They're mostly like hired muscle. So I think that what they're doing really smartly is use those characters for what they're good for, which is the spectacle. Mm. Create something awesome for an amazing set piece that's going to look awesome. But the heart of the story and the villain that we're really going to care about from a motivation standpoint is, I believe, will be Mysterio. Yeah. Would it be weird, though? It seems so telegraphed, right? Kind of like Henry Cavill in Mission Impossible. Everybody knew Henry was going to turn on Tom Cruise. Do you think they'll find an inventive way for Mysterio to turn? Yeah. I, I, I'll give them credit. Like, look, I think they're doing a re- another thing that they're doing that's really smart is they're not coming out of the gate with Green Goblin or Venom. Like, right. They, the Thank first God. movie was the Vulture, which is arguably one of the lamer villains in Spider-Man, and they made him if you amazing. Think, I, I can't agree with that. Uh, and Mysterio is also traditionally thought of as yes. rather lame. Yes. And they're making him pretty awesome, mm-hmm. or it seems like, or they're giving him a much more interesting origin story for sure. We can say that. Yeah, and there yeah. have been a lot of jokes at the expense of the fishbowl head. Yeah. Like that's one of Which the Which they stories. put on. Yeah. Brian Michael Bendis in Spider-Man has a Mysterio that jumps dimensions pulling off heists. So is this a comics based uh, approach to Mysterio? Because uh, maybe that's how he pull off, pulls off these heists, jumping dimensions and lying about certain things because it looks like him and Fury in cahoots here with all that technology. Cahoots <laughs> <laughs> and shenanigans. <laughs> uh, one last thing before we move on. Um, there's a building in the first few seconds of the trailer. There's a building being built behind 
Peter as he's swinging through New York, and it's the building where Stark used the Stark building used to be. So, what could be getting built there? Is it Oscorp? Is it the Baxter building? What is being built there? Trump Towers? Yeah, no. Uh, I think the Baxter building, that would be awesome. Right. I mean, it's since that building has been vacated after homecoming, mm-hmm. that if they, Reed Richards went in there and bought that building, guys, to just want, kind of plant those seeds early on. Guys, I want Fantastic Four so bad, you don't even Isn't know. Isn't that insane? Like, they messed this up so many freaking times, well, but still we want another they Fantastic They didn't. Four. Right, no, 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 I'm sorry. Fantastic Four has been messed up so many That's times. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. And don't give me Incredibles. Kiss my ass with that. I'm saying it again. <laughs> That is not a Fantastic Four movie. I don't care what anyone says. That's family. Fantastic Four is something else completely. You don't have the anger between Reed Richards and Ben Grimm, which I think is a really important element of the Fantastic Four. Hey, you're like my Ben Grimm. I am your Ben Grimm. <laughs> and Shannon, you're like my Sue Storm. Uh, hey. <laughs> hello. Hello, Reed. That, of course, does make me Reed Richards. <laughs> just, just so we're really clear on that. <laughs> um, so, but, so speaking of Spider-Man. I was thinking Mole Man more. Oh, yeah. Speaking how of... How dare you. Uh, um, well, I've got to take a step outside for a minute. Take a break. Um, yeah. Speaking of Spider-Man, so one of the things we had spoken about. Oh, look at uh, this motherfucker segueing into it. Uh, okay, go ahead. Go ahead, Michael. Well, I was going to say, yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, Endgame, as you were saying, is the biggest movie like ever, it almost. Is, it is. On its almost. way to being the biggest yeah. movie ever. Possibly. And it was the first big movie of the summer. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, it was like, did summer begin and end with Endgame? And there's a lot of more movies coming out. And I think that the Spider-Man trailer dropping this week really got people energized about that because yeah. it does sort of feel like... It's Endgame 2.0. Like, yeah. like the feelings that we're having coming out of uh, Endgame, we get to go back into Far From Home and kind of mm. live with it a little bit longer. But uh, what what else do we have on the horizon? Well, this, uh, this is going to be our main discussion topic for today's episode is the summer movies we are looking forward to. This was a, a suggestion I think that Michael made, and we all just kind of jumped on board with it. Um, so I'm going to read some of the movies that are coming out that I thought were the big ones, and maybe some of you reading it might be upset about some of the ones that are included, but we're going to talk about the ones we think we are looking forward to, and maybe a couple of dark horses here. Uh, Detective Pikachu, as we mentioned earlier, it's coming out this week, May 10th. Then, Pika Pika. <laughs> then John Wick 3 Parabellum comes out next week on the 17th. Aladdin and Brightburn come out after that on the 24th. Aladdin, sweet Mary, mother of God. Um, Godzilla, King of Monsters, and Rocketman come out May 31st. X-Men Dark Phoenix comes out on June 7th. I don't know why. Men in Black International, June 14th. Toy Story 4 on June 21st. Spider-Man Far From Home, July 2nd. The Lion King, July 19th. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, July 26th. Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw and New Mutants, at least tentatively, is coming out August 2nd. Artemis Fowl, Artemis Fowl August 9th. It, Chapter 2, September 6th. Spies in Disguise, September 13th. And then to kind of wrap up the summer a little bit as we go into fall, uh, Downton Abbey and Rambo, Last Blood, comes out September 20th. I mean, that's a weekend. Week. They come out the same weekend. Yeah. <laughs> By the way. That's a Saturday and a Sunday movie for I me. Will say, I will say the winner for best counter-programming is that weekend. <laughs> I will go. Not a lot of overlap in those audiences. Rambo, Last Blood is a Saturday night movie for me. Downton Abbey movie is a Sunday afternoon movie for me. Like with tea. With tea. And the crackers and the crumpets. 
So, let's, Shannon, let's go to you first since uh, Mikey was talking a lot through the last uh, segment. Which are the movies that you were you're looking forward to uh, or maybe some that you are uh, looking at as a dark horse? So, yeah, I'm looking at ones that are not actually on that list. What? Yes. I'm you're not going to pick any of these I'm not going to pick any of those movies. Uh, I think this, the uh, little movies of summer tend to get forgotten yes. in this sea of tentpole. For big reasons. I love I love tentpole movies. I love big special effects mm. extravagances, big audience-pleasing popcorn movies. But the film that I saw a trailer for about a month ago um, was for a film called Yesterday, directed by Danny Boyle. Yeah, yeah, the Beatles one. Yeah, and it is, it is about a guy who has a head injury, uh, who is a uh, singer-songwriter, and he wakes up in a reality where the Beatles never existed. Right. And he starts releasing their songs as his own. And it's uh, that the lead guy is a gentleman named uh, Himesh Patel, who's an English actor, who's mm-hmm. been like a TV actor. He was on uh, EastEnders, I believe that's yeah. the name of the show. Sounds about right. Um, Lily... Mikey and I are familiar with EastEnders. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Lily James is in it. Yes. Kate McKinnon shows up. Ed Sheeran shows up playing himself. Maybe he'll uh, uh, <laughs> undo the damage that apparently he did by showing up on Game <laughs> of Thrones. <laughs> but this looks like just a really sweet, heartwarming mm. movie. The trailer um, is fantastic. And anytime you have Beatles music in the background of a film, I think automatically I get I get more interested. Across the universe? Fan or no? Nah, okay. not All so right. much. All right. Not so much. And we do have an inference that Paul and John show up by their feet in the trailer. Yeah. John without shoes, Paul with his nice shoes. So this possibility that this is uh, an alternate reality versus, oh, I got hit on the head type of thing. Okay, what's your uh, and I'm not hearing. I'll be honest with you, I'm hearing uneven things. So we'll see. Really? Yeah. And oh, the screening no. is tomorrow night. As we're recording this, I have a couple of friends going to the screening tomorrow night. I'm recording top ten, so I can't go. But um, I'm not hearing 100 percent positive. So we'll see. I didn't like the trailer. You didn't really? like the trailer? Not even a little bit. And I, you know, I'm a sucker for those British sweet films. I'm what a was it about it that you didn't? That he didn't... can't sing. That really bothered me a lot. That he cannot sing. And I'm like. Though I get it when Ringo couldn't sing to a degree and you still enjoyed his music. Paul and John could sing. George Harrison can sing. This guy doesn't reach the levels of emotion and feeling and fun that the Beatles had with their music. And the stuff I see in the trailers does not convince me that this guy knows how to bring these songs to life. So I don't believe that he would become a worldwide superstar sure. because – Anybody can sing the songs. You can do a cover of any song. Can you bring something new and unique to the emotion of the song? Well, the two times that we see that we actually see him and hear him playing, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's in a very small setting with a group of friends. So I would say maybe reserve judgment. And, and mm. if there's a big concert scene, maybe then that might be. That was a really polite way of saying you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, it is, which I appreciate. But I, I, I think I'll maybe, go- maybe reserve your judgment. <laughs> Clip my words as I speak to you <laughs> about this trailer that I love. <laughs> Shannon brought a movie that wasn't even on your fucking list. That's fair. That's fair. That's absolutely fair. <laughs> the other one I want to talk about isn't on the list either. But... It's like, oh, let's change something. <laughs> uh, the other one that I want to talk about was also not on the list. Mm-hmm. One of the the type of film that I loved in the summer was like Lake Placid, Deep Blue Sea, <laughs> silly kind of. 
low rent kind of Are you going to talk about that alligator movie? I am going to oh. talk about Crawl because it comes out on July 12th. Okay. It comes out a week after Spider-Man and it is essentially about a, a, a coastal town in Florida. The father, played by Barry Pepper, the Barry Pepper. Barry Pepper, and his, the, the father and daughter get stuck in their house during a hurricane yeah. as it starts to flood and then alligators show up. And if you only, if you added a meth addicted dude attacking a McDonald's drive, you could call this Florida the movie. I can say this being from Florida. Uh, I'm so excited. This looks like, I don't know, I don't, I'm not going to say this is going to be a good movie. I think this looks like ridiculous fun. I think we would have a blast at this movie. Michael, we just lost your mom on that comment. She defends Florida like nobody I know. I mean, we're from Florida. Yeah, she defends it. It was not a bad place to grow up. Yeah, Shannon. You do leave Florida, and you look back, and you're like, oh, that was crazier than I thought it was. <laughs> Dems but, is crazy times. But yeah, Mom, we still love Florida. <laughs> and any, country. And any of your aunts that are listening, we still love Florida. <laughs> I was there in school for four years. I loved my time in Tallahassee. I want to give a shout-out to my mom and dad who watched the first podcast. and or listen the, Or listen to the first yeah. podcast. Listen to an... Over hour long discussion about Endgame. I don't know how many Marvel movies they've seen. I'm sure they had <laughs> dare, barely knew what we were talking about. I'm sure they've stayed awake for a few scenes when you've tried to show them stuff when you're when they're home. That's fair. Yeah, uh, this I find it interesting. This called crawl, and there's no crawling in the trailer at all. It's all swimming alligators. So I don't know where the crawl comes from. To be honest with you, they may crawl at some point. <laughs> yeah, when they're babies. <laughs> Maybe this hurricane approached slowly at a crawl. <laughs> oh, plenty, <What's>... of, <laughs> plenty of notice to evacuate. <laughs> but there's there's actually some real people involved in this who have some credibility in the horror genre so oh sam raimi is a producer yeah i will say on my end i liked this trailer i went in looking to make fun of this trailer because we talked about our movie talk and i saw the trailer I'm like this actually could be a shannon and roca saturday afternoon <laughs> viewing i could see this what am i chopped liver <laughs> this is not really your fair but we'll certainly get you a seat there will be some side eye if you join us i can already predict that. yeah or the oh. <laughs> That loud exhale from the side there. <laughs> the Vogel sigh. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mikey, what do you got? Uh, I um, I would say that the thing that I'm most excited about this summer, uh, now that Endgame has passed, uh, is actually, I know it's a controversial one because not everybody feels this way. I'm Ooh. super excited about Toy Story 4. Really? Cool. I am. Okay. I'm super, super excited. I'm down for it. I think it's going to be great. I've heard... From some people at Disney who have seen it, that there's lots of tears and that people are coming out of like screenings saying like, wow, they really did it. They really killed the franchise. No. <laughs> no. Oh, I didn't. I, you said tears. It can go either way. Because you guys did not love nope. the trailer. I haven't seen a fucking thing. And it's for someone cussing. I haven't seen a fucking thing in any of those trailers that I enjoy. Yeah. I, I, I'm with John. And also, I just figure when you have such a nice, tight ending as Toy Story 3, yeah, like, man. why do you need to go back to the well right. on this one? So a couple things. One, I will say that aside from like two movies, Pixar has like – I think won our trust enough to be like, you, yeah. you, you guys have done a solid job. Like not every one of your sequels is amazing. Uh, the Toy Story movies certainly sure. – it's a very high bar. Like each one of those movies is like golden and amazing. And I do agree that the Toy Story 3 ending is perfect. Mm. Based on what my reading of this trailer was – and again – I have no idea if this is remotely accurate. This is no information that I have. This is just me watching the trailer and going, I think this is what is going on. It's like yeah. what I think – here's what – because I think, Shannon, you and I had this conversation when the trailer came out. If Woody 
goes away, hangs out with Bo Peep and whatever, and basically the story is I have to get back to Bonnie. I'm her toy. And Bo Peep ends up kind of being the not villain necessarily, but the voice of like, don't go back to your toy, live free, whatever, then it's basically Toy Story 2 all over again. And if that's the case, I would be very disappointed because I feel like they've gone over that territory before. What I find interesting is there's a couple things that happen in this trailer. So A, there's that forky character, Mm -hmm. uh, the spork. Um, And and we love Tony Hale. Yeah. No, Tony Hale's great. But But I – so it's clear in the trailer that that that's her Bonnie's favorite toy. It's not Woody. It's not Buzz. Like that fork is Bonnie's favorite toy. And Woody's motivation is not I have to get back to Bonnie in the trailer. It's we've got to get this guy back to Bonnie. And just the fact that Bo Peep is in it and there's this reunion with these characters, I don't think she's going to be the heavy or the bad guy. Like if she's the one that's saying I went out into the world and made life – made a life for myself as a toy without a child, um, you should do the same thing. I feel like that might be a – Woody's story, it's like that story of like – it's like parents when they've raised their kids their whole life. Yeah. And, you know, your kid you're, – you're, you're a parent. You had a child. You took care of that child. That child was your everything. And then the child goes away and doesn't really need you anymore. And you go, well, what is the rest of my life going to be for me? <laughs> and I think Woody – the the, the pass-off in Toy Story 3 from Andy to Bonnie was like beautifully done and I – to this day, don't think I've cried as hard in a movie as I did mm. when that happened. I think I was literally an emotional wreck remembering every toy I got rid of. If this movie is about Woody deciding that he's sort of that old toy, he's passed on what he's learned to everybody, he needs to go do something else with his life and he doesn't know what that is because he's dedicated his whole life to being mm. a toy for kids. And this is his movie about like what's next for me. That actually feels like it would fit in with the Toy Story movies. Now, maybe that's me just putting a whole lot on this trailer, but that's what I took from the trailer, and that's why I loved it so much. And so I'm very excited to go see Toy Story 4 because if that's what it is and they defy the odds and make a movie that is equivalent, if not better Mm. than Toy Story 3, uh, it'll be amazing. That also is maybe me putting way too much on this movie trailer, and I could be super disappointed. So, Mm. Shannon? Was that your only one? Was, is it a Toy yeah, Story 4 your only one? movie? No, that's the only thing I care about. <laughs> uh, the other one is uh, Brightburn, actually. Oh. Yes, that one does look really good. Um, okay. I know that I get a lot of uh, shit from some of our friends about me not being the biggest fan of Zack Snyder's DC Universe. Yes. And I'm often accused of not of, of not enjoying something just because it's dark. Yes. Uh and I think the Brightburn trailer, which is basically a dark version of the Superman mythology, yeah. looks amazing. And I think it's great. And James Gunn is definitely someone who I think does really great movies. But he didn't direct this, though. He, he produced it. Okay. He produced it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And um, I just think it looks awesome. I, I love the idea. You know, Superman is one of my favorite characters. It is my favorite character mm-hmm. uh, in all of comics. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the reasons he's my favorite character is because you have this person who comes to Earth or this alien who comes to Earth who has enough power that he could arguably just take over and destroy everything and get whatever he wants. But he doesn't do that because of the morals that he's taught by the Kents growing mm-hmm. up in Kansas. Uh, and so I think seeing the opposite version of that, a character who has all the powers of Superman but does not have those mm-hmm. morals and mm-hmm. ethics – is A, horrifying, and B, amazing, and C, I can't wait to watch it. You know, and David Denman plays the uh, adopted father. Um, Who you've worked with. Yeah, and, and he, he, is, he is a wonderful, 
wonderful actor. Mm-hmm. And in those moments in the trailer where he and Elizabeth uh, – uh, what, what's your name? Elizabeth, Elizabeth Banks. Elizabeth Banks, yes. Uh, the moments where they are discussing what they are going to do with this superpowered child. Uh, most of what I've seen Dinman in has been comedy. And mm-hmm. to watch him with like the fear of God in his eyes talking about this kid that totally. he's been raising. I mean, yeah. I, I'm really, really excited for this movie. Uh, a couple of my friends have seen it already here, and they say it is gory as hell. Ooh, That's really? why it's an R-rated movie. Because Yeah, they haven't seen this kind of gore in a film like this ever. So it's a superhero film. So clearly this kid is killing people. It's also an interesting sign of where we are in in the superhero genre. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been in the superhero genre for several years now. Yep. Uh, Like, I mean, it's it's as big as the Western ever was, if not more so. And that we're starting to see these other movies that are sort of the counter-programming to the big things that we – you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're going to continue to get more Marvel movies and more DC movies and all these big superhero movies. But the fact that these smaller movies that are taking that superhero mythology and turning it on its head a little bit, uh, it's really interesting and exciting to me. I don't appreciate you taking a shot at the outlaws saying it's bigger than Westerns. I, <laughs> I caught the subtle shade, son. Uh, I, I, you know, I haven't enjoyed any of the tri- – I'm not a big fan of Elizabeth Banks in dramas. I'm just not. I like her in comedies. She's brilliant in comedies. But in dramas, I always find her uh, dramatic acting a little lacking. Um, the horror film she did – the... Do you feel like Power Rangers was comedic or dramatic? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious. As to I think where she you... thought she was in a drama, which is why it was funny to watch. Uh, but I will say this: that's the thing that I I, I find that pulls me back a little bit in this film too. I'm not in the trailers, rather, I'm not 100 percent buying what she's doing okay, here. But okay. the kid stuff is scary AF. Like just seeing what he, the quickness and that poor waitress in the diner Mm. and everything like that. The second trailer was even more leaning into the horror of it, the cop and everything like that. It was like, oh man, if this is how it goes down, can the mother's love change the child? And if not, because it feels like that old Twilight Zone episode where everyone was afraid of the kid who could turn people into like jack-in-the-boxes and stuff. Like, well, what do you do with a Superman child that is an angry Superman child, right? Like we, even in Man of Steel, when Clark bends the um, fence post, he wants to punch those kids. kids are picking on. Yeah, he wants to demolish those kids. Even Even in Superman the movie, when they all make fun of him and he has to go talk to his dad about it, it's because Clark's like, I really could kill these guys. I could run faster and destroy everyone, yeah. but I can't do it. What if you're the kid who could, you know? And so it's exciting. We'll see how, how it turns out. Uh, this guy, David Yorevsky, I think is the director. He's only, he hasn't directed much. He did that Game of Thrones oh, – no, sorry, Guardians of the Galaxy – Video, the '70s video that they released that was kind of funny. All oh, the like the music video. Yeah, the oh, music yeah, video. Yeah, he directed, yeah. he, and he's directed corn music video. So the guy doesn't have a lot of experience directing feature films. So right. we'll see how it all plays out. But James Gunn being a producer kind of helps you in that situation. So, um, all right, for me, I would. If, are you? Is yeah, that, yeah, yeah okay, cool. For me, I would throw in. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to John Wick Three Parabellum. That's like number one on my list for the summer, and behind that, Hobbs and Shaw. But did you really uh, like John Wick 2? I didn't like John Wick 2 that much, but I enjoyed it enough to carry me over into John Wick 3. And I'm hearing from a number of people who've already seen it that it's incredible. I yeah, I'm so, not I'm not the biggest John Wick 2 fan, but, but my but my love of John Wick 1 yeah. will still get me to John Wick 3. It'll get you one more. Just like Taken. Taken got you one more and then that's it. You don't ever <laughs> want to go back again. Oh, yeah. Taken 3 was horrible. Taken 2 was mildly okay, too horrible. 
But like, but you're hearing that John Wick Three is it's incredible. Okay, it's, the action's supposed to be phenomenal. I mean, you should see Keanu Reeves on a horse fighting a guy on a motorcycle. That's pretty <laughs> badass. Like, right, I'm in. I was in. Yeah, so, so gung fu and all that jazz. Uh, but I, I, I'm excited for it. I want. I hope it plans um, pans out the way it is to kind of bring people back into the franchise. Even if they don't do another one after this one, to have John, to have people like kind of brush aside that second one would be nice because I think they kind of like most sequels do. They tried to expand the world too much, and you lost the core of what John Wick was, was this New York-based assassin who got dragged back into killing people because of the death of his dog. Having this Italian guy show up within seconds of him finishing the first film, I think, was a massive mistake. Um, I think Angelica Houston is possibly playing the mother of those two Italians who were fighting each other, uh, and which could help oh, him. Yeah, that's what I think, because she has the accent. And I'm thinking, oh, this is a possibility here. So I'm excited for that one. And yes, of course. I thought she was just going to rip off her face halfway through the movie and be a witch. <laughs> nice reference. Thank you. Roald Dahl would be proud of you. <laughs> uh, I would say Godzilla King of Monsters, but I'm hearing not great things. Uh, and um, I'm surprised you didn't mention Lion King. Um, I mean, I w- obviously I was going to mention Lion King. I okay. just thought I'd go with Toy Story 4. But yes, I, uh, I, am as, I am as excited about Lion King as I am trepidatious about Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> trepidatious, you being kind. Yeah. 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 I'm Look, real. It is May 20. It is May 2nd. Right or May third, whatever time it is, May twenty fourth film comes out. Usually by now, in my business, Disney has sent us screening invites. We have yet to get a screening invite for Aladdin. That scares me. Three weeks out. Oh yeah, that's normal. Oh yeah. I unless it's a Marvel movie, then it's usually a week or two out. I I I I really I keep trying to convince myself to be more excited about Aladdin than I am because Mm -hmm. I love. The original, of course, so much. Who doesn't? Um, but then, like, and I'll see something like the first trailer where they release them singing a whole new world. I was like, okay, I'm excited. And then there would be a Will Smith thing, and I'd be like, I'm not excited. But mm-hmm. then Will Smith would be like, okay. Well, that's kind of like feels like the genie. Like it just, I keep going back and forth. But yeah, there's definitely a giant pit of worry. Yeah, that this is just not going to work. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Lion King, I'm just like, yeah, fucking bring it. I don't care. Live action, Lion King, I'm in. Like, like, is Beyonce going to sing? Yes. Okay. Let's great. Let's go. Maybe yeah. it's the fact that Aladdin, like I liked Aladdin growing up, but it's not quite as near and dear to my heart as it would be for you that I see those trailers. And I, I didn't think the first trailer was particularly good. Mm-hmm. But uh, the more that I've seen of it, I'm like, I, I, I think this looks like a fine afternoon at the movies. Wow. Yeah. I like that you're kind of counter to us in that way. Yeah. I mean, but again, I, I don't have a lot of skin in the game. Well, right. But, but you're the one they want. They'll get Mikey. They'll get me because just from curiosity's sake, but you're the one they want that to get in the theater. I do think they have a problem. I mean, look, I'm I'm a huge Disney nerd. Like yes. I'm the biggest Disney nerd out of all of us, so I am clearly biased in this area. But I think that they've actually had a pretty good level of success with a lot of their live action movies. Mm. I think that the more recent animated movies that they make adaptations of is where it gets problematic. Because I think when you do a more interesting, more uh, developed story about around Cinderella or The Jungle Book, mm. you do pretty well. Like, there's a lot of story that is kind of left on the table with those animated movies, so there's a lot to fill in, and I think they've done a really good job with those. Yeah. Um, Beauty and the Beast, 
I enjoyed because I love that movie. But yeah. like there was a whole lot of like the stuff that you added to make it different. Did we really need? And the stuff that you did that were the songs and the mm-hmm. characters that I loved. Did I arguably need the live action versions of them? And I think with Aladdin and with Lion King and even with Little Mermaid, which is coming up, it's like these are still so near and dear to people's hearts yeah. that grew up with them. It's like, is it too soon to reboot these? Well, that's what I wonder. And, and I say that as someone mm-hmm. who is absolutely going on opening day and giving them my money and will probably see the movie opening times. Sure, sure, like, sure. Like it's, it, I'm, I'm a nerd and I'm going to go. It's going to happen. Well, you can separate but the I two. But I still wonder about – I'm interested to see like what differences will they bring to Lion King – that make it worth having another version of it. Well, and that's what I wanted to ask you, and that's a great way, a great uh, uh, segue here, Mike. This idea, and we'll get back to my second, which is Hobbs and Shaw. But, but like you mentioned, this idea of you know I'll go and and we'll see if they bring something new. The big critiques have been out of these trailers from people online that have been like they're just shooting it shot for shot. They're tracing the animated film. There's nothing new They're not here. tracing. That's not how that works. Yeah, but, but yeah, people okay. are saying. <laughs> no, are we talking Lion King or are we talking Aladdin? Lion King. Lion King. Lion King. Okay, okay, not Aladdin. Aladdin is a, is a lost yeah. cause. But like, <laughs> Lion King, a lot of people feel – they they're, they're, there's a lot of people who are loving it, but a lot of people pushing back saying they're just copying what we've seen in the animated film onto live action. Why would I go? What's new about this? There's yeah. A, a lot of vocal Three critics. Beyonce. Okay. That's I mean, Beyonce singing "Can You Feel the Love Tonight" or whatever other song she's gonna sing. Mm-hmm. I, I, that was like, 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 because uh, what I loved about Jungle Book is she that what I loved about Jungle Book is that Favreau like took the basic story but like told it in a completely different way and added a lot more development around Mowgli totally. and his relationships, and it made the movie much like I'm like, there's a reason for this movie to exist. This is a much more in depth version. So I'm gonna give them all a benefit of the doubt like obviously when you are trying to get to do the nostalgia play and get the audience in and you have some of these shots that are these iconic shots you put them in your trailer Mm -hmm. now if the movie is indeed if we all go see it and i'm like basically like this is exactly the same movie that i saw in animation just with like live action looking characters i will be disappointed i would not be the biggest fan of that okay um but if they add some different color, if they add some different aspects to it, I'll be interested to see. But yeah. outside of Timon and Pumbaa at the end of the trailer uh, singing uh, The Lion Sleeps Tonight, they haven't shown any clips from the musical numbers, right? No. Okay. Yeah. So, yes. I mean, Circle of Life, but that's sort of yeah, right. not care. Are you saying like like watching live action animals burst into song might be a little weird? No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying they haven't leaned as hard into the nostalgia as they mm-hmm. could. Is that they're they're showing you the shots? You, okay. you hear the main theme, right. but they're not they're not doing what Aladdin did, which is showing you clips from a whole new whole new world. Right? You know what I mean? But doesn't the James Earl Jones aren't those the same lines from the movie when he says all this could be? There's a lot of lines that are the same lines, right? Yeah. So that's my and the scar stuff. Run away, Simba, run away. Right. And never, By the way, yeah. I push back on people like, oh, I hate that Jeremy Irons isn't voicing the lion. It's a lion in Africa, okay? It's not in South Africa. It's in fucking Africa. So it's going to have a black voice. Deal with it. Suck it up and deal with it. I was so mad at people. Oh, I missed the sexy scar. What the hell is wrong with you? It's an animated lion. Why are you trying to say this thing? This scar is sexy. What is wrong with you? Like a lot you of know? people think Chowaito is a sexy guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, fair. I'm just like it bothered me on so many levels that people were like upset that Jeremy Irons wasn't voicing. It's not the same thing. I was like, what's wrong with you people? Yeah. All right. Anyways, Hobbs and Shaw is my second. Oh, what were you saying, Michael? No, is there more? Say, tell me oh, yeah, Hobbs, Hobbs and Shaw. Shaw. Look, this is no business working. This really doesn't. And I want it to work, 
But that last trailer made me a little scared. But like uh, uh, Hobbs is one of these characters that came into the fifth movie of a franchise and completely revitalized it. Right. It was heading towards that straight to DVD place. People weren't coming to see it at the levels before. The Rock comes in. Dwayne Johnson revitalizes an entire franchise, goes toe to toe with Vin Diesel, ends up becoming an issue between them in real life, which is now proven out to be a real thing. Um, and then they spin him off with his great chemistry with Jason Statham, with Shaw. And now they're giving him their own movie. Of all the spinoffs you thought would come out of this film, or this series rather, it's incredibly shocking that it's Hobbs and Shaw. You would think it'd be Paul Walker and Vin going off on their own thing. Of course, Paul Walker, well, of course, he died. There. <laughs> yeah, but the chance, the opportunities were there. That got, got dark real fast. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> well, um, so, but I, I am excited for this, but I also wonder if they're overreaching with this because the stunts are out of control. Like, honestly, out of like the rock doing his Captain America holding on to the thing <laughs> moment when you're seeing that, you're like, what is going on here? But then a little bit of the jokes in the second and then going to his homeland to fight uh, uh, rifles with sticks. I was just a little bit like we're straining credibility. And I know I'm saying for a Fast and Furious movie, we're straining credibility. But there's at least a modicum of believability that you have to have in a film like this to make it work and I enjoy. Mean, we're talking about the movie, the, the franchise of movies where they jump a car from one high-rise building to the next. You're, this is the modicum of believability you're talking about? Yes, I understand what I am saying. Like when the car comes out of the plane, through the plane, you're like, wait, what? And this is also the one where the rock grabbed a torpedo off the ice? Hey, have you seen The Rock? I've seen The Rock in person twice. He can grab a torpedo off the ice. Let me tell you that right now. Oy. So I, have there been eight of those movies? Yes. Eight passengers? Eight. Okay, so I have seen two. What? In their entirety. I saw the first one, yeah. which I did not like, and I saw the third one, which I was like, hey, that wasn't a bad movie. But I have Tokyo had, Drift. You yeah, liked Tokyo Drift. I've had no desire to wow. watch any of those movies. Watching the trailer for Hobbs and Shaw, especially this new one, I was like, this is a page right out of the Schwarzenegger playbook from the 80s. Yeah, great I'm point. Like, this looks ridiculous. And yes, if you, I will go see. I will go see this <laughs> with you. I have never gone to see a Fast and the Furious movie with John. Shannon and I go see the cheesiest action movies. It's been our hallmark uh, for years. But for people who are listening, uh, Michael's giving me the dirty look. But for people who are listening, because he knows that we leave him out of these things. When we go see these cheesy action movies, Shannon and I enjoy going to see these cheesy action But the one franchise that he refuses to come to see with me is Fast and Furious. And I could never make any sense out of that because we've seen the cheesiest action movies. I did stop going to the Transformers movies. Yeah, well, After fair. four, I stopped. After four. Still, you got to four. <laughs> That's pretty incredible, honestly. There's only one more after that. If You don't, you did see Bumblebee, so did, you've, you've only missed five, the fifth one. So, yeah. uh, By the way, I was watching the fourth one again the other day for an hour. I'm sorry. I, I don't know why. I, I can't explain why We're I enjoy We're going to have to do a whole episode one day about your love for the Transformers and try and... Can we get Michael Bay in really here? Get, under, get, get, get in there and understand that. <laughs> and, and, and I did uh, see the third and fourth film under duress. <laughs> and just to be we clear, were drunk on the fourth one. And just to be clear, I am more than okay <laughs> with you two seeing Hobbs and Shaw without me. It's Thor. It's Thor that you had. Thor 2 that you had the problem with. Well, what was that? Oh. No, it was Thor, no, was, it was Thor two. Was it Thor no, two? It was Thor two. It was when I texted you guys from work to ask you when you went, when you wanted to go, so I could buy the tickets. And you texted me from the theater saying you were already there without me. But I've let it go. Oh, I I'm okay with it. it I'm not upset anymore. It doesn't sound like it okay. feels like it got warmer. In yeah, here. really. <laughs> Next subject. Next subject. <laughs> Moving on. Is there is there a um, a quiet one that you is Brightburn your quiet one? Like Bright kind Burns of. Quiet. I mean, okay. there's uh 
I think there's always surprises in the summer. Yeah. I mean, that's what I love is we all have the movies that we hold up as like this is the thing we're excited about. Um, and it's almost like it used to be that we had smaller summer movies, tentpole summer movies, yeah. and that was it. Right. And now it's basically like we have smaller movies, tentpole movies, and Marvel movies. Right. Like right. Marvel movies have just gotten to a whole other level of excitement. Um, the one that I will say that just I was excited. I saw. I watched the trailer and I was excited about it yeah. until about halfway through the trailer, and then I was very much not. Is Spies in Disguise, the yeah, Blue Sky animated one. film? Uh, I wasn't sure what it was about. The, tra- the trailer came out, and I was like, "Oh wow, here's like some spy animated spy movie." I really dig this character design. It's great that we have a person of color in a lead, like yeah. as a spy. Like this is great. I'm super into this. Like this looks super cool. And then halfway through the trailer, he turns into a pigeon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and but, I, I, but have you seen Will Smith as a pigeon? And I was like, okay. And I was like feeling like maybe like I wasn't getting something. But then I found out that like there's all these reaction videos online right now of people watching it, and some people are excited. But thankfully, a lot of people have the same reaction as I do so I'm not crazy where they're watching this trailer they're like yeah 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 pigeon <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see maybe another trailer will come out and really sell me on it you know it's Will okay. Smith and Tom Holland in a yeah. movie together yeah. which is pretty cool so we'll see but that one was not a Okay. It didn't, it didn't knock me over. Hancock and Peter Parker together again. <laughs> uh, we should wrap up. We got we got maybe five, ten minutes left in this uh, episode. Uh, I will throw in Rocket Man as one that I'm looking for as my quiet one because of what happened with Bohemian Rhapsody. Dexter Fletcher took over Bohemian Rhapsody. He fully directed Rocket Man. Taron Egerton looks fantastic in this yeah, as yeah. Elton John. Uh, I'm, I'm better on the fence with his singing than I am with the guy from yesterday. So we'll see how that turns out. But Elton John is such a phenomenal phenomenal story that I hope they do justice to it and it looks from the trailer so far that it has it's one of those ones that I'm hunting for my screening invite every day in my inbox because I can't wait to go see that one so all right let's move on to our last thing we should talk a little Game of Thrones maybe five ten minutes five minutes yeah I think, right. uh, this is like our this is like our Matt Damon we have to keep kicking him off the show well, Game of Thrones but yeah go ahead yes yeah, I think I mean, probably like after the final episode airs we'll yeah. do a deeper dive into everything the whole series uh, I uh, quick thoughts my quick thought is I I I I I'm worried about the ending of Game of Thrones. Is, are they are they rushing it? I think they are. I think I think that with Benioff and Weiss, they do so much well. They I mean, look, they deserve all the credit in the world. They've given us a ride on TV like none other. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they went, you know, off book, I feel like their biggest issue, uh, most of the issues that people have, a lot of the smaller issues and the things that people get upset about, can be boiled down to not being patient slash not having the time. I don't know if it's them. I don't know if it's HBO. I don't know if what it is, but it's like a lot of the issues we've had in the past few weeks even. Mm -hmm. uh, I wish the Battle of Winterfell had been bigger. I wish that the threat of the dead and the Night King hadn't been resolved in one episode. Mm -hmm. And with this episode uh, from last week, you know, you have a lot going on. You have wrapping up the Battle of Winterfell, then going to King's Landing, yeah. then the death of a dragon, Daenerys kind of going crazy, all this stuff happening. And it just feels like, to me, that if you had given more time to a lot of this mm-hmm. to really build to some of these things, to spend more time with the Army of the Dead, to spend more time getting to King's Landing, like 
I, I, I just think Game of Thrones was better off when it took us time to get from one place to the other mm-hmm. and the journey was part of the character development and we're jumping around so fast right now in an effort to it feels like to wrap everything up in the next two episodes yeah. that I just feel like I'm going to come away from this feeling like we had spent more time. Okay. Shannon? Uh, I, I agree with Mike. Um, I did really enjoy the interplay yeah. that the characters had. I don't feel like we. I don't really feel like we got that during the Battle of Winterfell episode. Um, but it's it's the the travel time is sort of a thing that mm-hmm. kind of sticks out. I've kind of let it go. But I do what? Well, I was, I was going to say it's not a logic thing. A lot of people get mad at it like it's a logic thing. Like mm-hmm. logically, you shouldn't be able to get here to here quickly enough. And it's not the logic that bothers me. It's just the allowing that time let you build to bigger things, mm-hmm. right? I, I don't understand why they did six episodes. Like, why didn't you just do your normal ten? Same for the previous season. Yeah. Why it, it seems like some of these moments that do feel a little rushed and these decisions that do feel a little sudden. It's like you you had in the past you had four more hours or you had four more episodes that you could have passed added that with mm. it, it's a it's a confusing decision that i don't know if they've ever gone on record as to say why they did it but overall again the the scene between Varys and uh Tyrion, like that was great fantastic that's fantastic old school acting. game of thrones yeah 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 and you know I, we host the review show here at collider thrones talk every sunday night after the episode airs and you know you have the glow of the episode. And I got on and spoke. I loved the episode, this past episode, because it felt to me like there was shades, really powerful shades of the old Game of Thrones. Right? I didn't like the Jamie and Brienne slept with you. I didn't like that. I, it was not a really? fan. Really? I yeah. did. I, I thought because we don't need – she doesn't need to. She does not need to. And she certainly doesn't need to be goaded to do it with a stupid drinking game from Tyrion. That bothered I didn't like the setup of how they got to them sleeping with each other. And I get that it was great that it's powerful for Brienne to take control of the situation like like Arya did. Finally, in Game of Thrones, women are controlling when they have sex and with whom. That's great. But to me, overall, I didn't think she needed it. It would have been more powerful, would have been more powerful for her to stop Jamie and be like, no, this is not what I want from you or where I'm at with you as much as I may have an affection for you. There's a job to be done first, but and again, I'm a warrior first. But again, I think that that's where what I'm like. That's where I, I yeah. like. I actually like the Jamie Brienne stuff, okay. but I agree with you insofar as like, as much as we've had Jamie and Brienne sort of being together and then apart and together and apart, mm-hmm. they've had their moments. It just feels like now we're throwing everybody together. Right, and we're we rushing have, and through we're rushing through all the mm-hmm. stuff that could have been two or three episodes that yep. I wouldn't have mind living with that and like yeah. building to some things. And so I just feel like we're going through things super fast. And again, like I don't know to your point because you were like, why not do 10 episodes? And you never know about this stuff in real life. Like I don't think that Benioff and Weiss were like, hey, we only want to do six episodes. Right. Um, and I can't imagine HBO not wanting to do more just given that Game of Thrones makes so much money for them. But also this shit's expensive. Well, so that's it, why Rome was canceled. Yeah. Because it was too expensive. So I think that there is at the end of the day like to, to, to just give Benioff and, and Weiss some credit. As much as I'm sitting here you know, saying I wish they took more time with stuff, there's also the, the possibility that they wish that they could have taken mm. more time with stuff too. And they were just like, here's the time you have to tell these ep- – this, this is what we have. Yeah, yeah but uh, Rome was not the juggernaut, the Game of Thrones. Sure, 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 sure. I mean – Fair, fair. I, I can't imagine them and, – and I've never worked at HBO. I might not know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine them getting stingy with this last season saying, no, yeah. this is how much you have. This is it. Well, why did David Chase stop Sopranos? I think he just got to the end. Like that was the end in of his story. mind. He got yeah, to the end. I think that right. was the end of his story. Right. So I wonder if this is like I, – I feel like Benioff and Weiss realized, look – there's only so much of this we can tell without George. 
And maybe we've hit our, and we're like, okay, this many episodes. And of course, it's a massive cast to get together. And most of your cast is now kind of blowing up. And it's harder to schedule them to come and do 10 episode seasons. And because I think they shot all these back to back. Yeah. They just split it up into two separate seasons. And so I think they realize this cast is getting too big. We can't corral them all to a 10 episode season, two 10 episode seasons anymore. We have to do what we can do and we'll shoot these all back to back, pay them a certain amount of money, and then be done with it. But there are there's a large uh, becoming a vocal contingent of people who are Game of Thrones fans who do not like the speed of which things are happening, and another side who are like are enjoying it because they're getting the wrap up they've been waiting for for eight seasons. Right? I do think like I, I still there's stuff that's bothering me, but to to be fair to what both of you guys said, there's a lot mm. that I loved in these episodes. Yeah. I'm very much excited about the last two. I'm yeah. really excited to see where things go. I think once it's all said and done, like once we get through these next two episodes, it's like take a minute and then we can sit down and really sort of dive into all of right. it and really go pros and cons. It was a it was a fucking epic journey. Mm-hmm. What was good? What was bad? What do we miss? What could be better? We'll give it the geek buddies treatment. <laughs> exactly. At the end of the season. Uh, Shannon, you had a geek thing to suggest for the week before we wrap up. What did you want to suggest? The show that you're watching you and Michael? Oh, yes. On Netflix. So there is a new show, a new half hour show. Not It's not a comedy. It's, it's half not, hour? It's a half hour. Oh. It, it is not a, it's not a comedy. It is a, it is a half hour dramedy-ish, but okay. it is called Dead to Me. And it stars Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini. And this is the type of show that Benjin was made for. It's very, I'm about halfway through. It's very, very difficult to just watch one episode. Wow. I mean, these two ladies together are fantastic. Um, I've actually, there's a casting office that I, I occasionally get to go in and, and be the reader for like, you know, bigger actors. Mm. And I've read with Linda Cardellini before, and she is just, she is a delightful person. She's incredibly, incredibly sweet. But my God, she is fantastic in this. And Christina Applegate is awesome. Mike. Yeah, it's addicting. Like, when I first saw the trailer for it on Netflix, I was like, oh, this looks really good. But I feel like they gave away a couple of things in the trailer. Like, they kind of gave away some of the twists. No, they did not. <laughs> they, they did not. There's okay. so many twists in the show. Every episode, I'm, like, like literally sipping my rosé and, like, gasping dramatically in my apartment by myself. Wow. This is what I do most days. Um, it's just me alone with a bottle of rosé. But uh, yeah, it's it's great. It's fun. It's amazing. Uh, one of my geek recommendations, yep. also in the Netflix vein, because like all we do is watch Netflix all day, is um, special. Okay. Uh, it is a. Oh, yeah. It's only about eight episodes, and the episodes are only about fifteen to twenty minutes, so you can literally watch it all in one setting. Okay. Uh, it's from uh, actor writer Ryan O'Connell. Uh, it's semi autobiographical. He's a gay man with cerebral palsy. He plays in the show a gay man with cerebral palsy mm. who uh, gets a job at a uh, blogging website and lies about not having cerebral palsy because he wants to be seen as normal. And it is a funny, sweet. Sad, weird, wow. amazing show, uh, and he's amazing. Okay. He's charming. He's cute. He's fun. Like mm. it's just it's it's such an odd little show that it's one of the things I love about the Netflixes and the Hulu's of the world and everything else is that we're just getting su- we're just getting these very weird, strange mm-hmm. niche shows that wouldn't exist anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I highly recommend checking it out because literally you can sit down and be done with it in like one afternoon and you will be begging for more. Interesting. It might be the way entertainment is going. 15 to 20 minute episodes is really interesting. YouTube kind of started that years ago. People creating these like sketch shows or, or you know, like YouTube shows that are only 10, 15, 20 minutes. Maybe this is the wave of the future as things get shorter and shorter. Certainly we're doing that here at Collider with some of our shows dropping down to 20 minutes. So that's possible. I feel left out. 
So I'll throw in Barry. Because Michael's not seen Barry. And I'm, I'm Barry shaming you. I know. Okay, I'm Come sorry. Come on, Mike. You have to see Barry, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you, today was uh, catching up on stuff. Tomorrow, okay. I've got some writing to do. Yeah. And as soon as that's done, I promise I'm going to start Barry. Okay. You and can check in with me next week. We're going to do a Barry retrospective or Barry uh, season uh, review as well and Killing Eve one. Right? Oh. Yeah, because season two is... I'm liking really? I'm liking it and I'm not liking it. So I'm because uh, I love season one. I binge the hell out of that. But I feel like season two is a little uneven because um, uh, ah, what's the actress's name who is the showrunner? But she left. She's the voice of uh, the robot in Solo. Ah, I forget her the actress's name, but she's not part of it. And so since she moved off of showrunner, I've had an I feel like they haven't quite captured what was great about the first season. I don't disagree. I'm, about, I'm only about three episodes in. I don't know how many episodes. I think there's like five episodes there's that aired. Four. Five, yeah. The five, five, five just now, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I just finished four. I enjoy it, but I agree with you that it's not as gripping as season one was. Right? There's I agree something with that. quite missing. Is it Phoebe Waller-Bridge? Yes, Phoebe her? Waller-Bridge. Okay. She was, she's the voice of the uh, the droid in Solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have not started season two yet. Okay. Um, but Barry, this last episode, the action-heavy episode, that's all we'll say. Yeah. Woo! Ooh, man, that was fan. That was a half hour of fantastic. Okay, everyone said the sixth episode right. is the one that changes everything. All right, so everybody, your homework this week is, uh, <laughs> is uh, Dead to Me, yes. Special, Barry, Batty, and Killing Eve. Yeah, it's good get geek, on it, people. good geek homework, <laughs> and go see Avengers Endgame one one more time. All right, well, thanks everybody for listening to this second episode of the Geek Buddies. This has been a blast to record with uh, Mikey and Shannon. As always, uh, let's go around the table to where they can find you, Michael. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at mktoon mktoon. And you can find me on Twitter at Shannon underscore McClung. And if you would go to my Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash Shannon McClung fan page and give it a like, my representation would be oh so happy. Oh, the representation. Uh, and you can find us. If you want to follow us, it's geek underscore buddies on Twitter, the geek buddies on Instagram. And you can follow me at the Roka says, look, give the show some love. Tell people about it. We're spreading positivity in the geek world. That's what it's all about here. Can still disagree. But come back together as buddies or friends. Yep. And let us know what you would like us to cover. Yep. What are you guys watching? What are you guys reading? What are the super geeky, awesome things that we should be checking out? Let us know. Yeah. We'll do all. Yeah. Definitely. That's a great point, Mike. All right. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next week with another, another episode of the Geek Buddies. Hey! Hey! hey. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.